0: Welcome to Side Talks.
1: We're a podcast. We talk about movies.
0: Uh, who, who are you?
1: Rachel Morgan, who are you?
0: I'm Corey Kraft.
1: We we like movie stuff. We've done movie stuff. We continue to do movie stuff.
0: And and now we're gonna we're <laughs> gonna talk about some of that stuff?
1: Um yeah, we are. Okay. I like it.
0: That sounds great. Best intro let's, ever. Let's, let's do it.
1: <laughs> so now it's time for a segment of the podcast called Phone a friend, where we do just that. Phone a friend. Hello? McBroBro, it's Rachel. Hey. Hey. Hi. And, hi, and Corey.
0: Yes, I'm here. Hi.
1: And we're doing our weekly call, you know? Hi, Corey. Want to see what yeah. you're watching. What are you watching? What's What's been going on? Oh. Okay, well, you know how it's kind of like blizzard vibes right now everywhere? Yeah, it is. Snowy, and, snowy you know, winter. Snowy winter. Yeah.
2: Snowy winter. So the other night, Tony put on uh, just one of those dorky YouTube lists of like top 10 horror and suspense movies set in the winter and in the cold. Yeah. And so, because we, we were trying to think of something like in that realm, you know? Right. So um, we wound up picking the second um, of the list um okay number one is the thing because of course it is because it's the best ever um but of course you've seen the thing so much so you know we didn't do the thing but also um, that beard can we
1: just can we pay some respect to that beard real quick kurt's beard yes kurt's beard kurt's beard is amazing gorge it's a movie of great beards it's i feel like it's the beard that inspired hipsters
2: you think
3: I, I think You it know, that have... movie
2: is so timeless, too, in the way they're just like, there's no, you know, it's just in the Arctic and there's nothing out there to really date it. And their their fashion seems really, it's like that 80s kind of cool look. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it really does have the hipster timelessness to it. It really does. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, but that's well, not what you watch, so, right? That's not what you yeah, watch. That's not what you watch. But I mean, you know, I love the thing. I love the thing. Um,. So, what was weird, though, on the list, he had The Thing was number one, and the remake of The Thing was, like, number eight. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Can you put the same movie on the list twice? Super you should have. Yeah, no, I that, I y- that you really shouldn't. You should not.
0: Especially that one.
2: Yeah, I I thought that was a bit of a weird move, but... Um, okay, so, anyway, his number two coldest movie is Misery. Hey! Yeah. All right. Yes! Yeah, and, Great I, you know, movie. I, I had seen chunks of it growing up, like... Uh, you know, in the, in the 90s on TV and probably on TNT, stuff like that. But right. I, I hadn't since I was much younger and I hadn't, I probably hadn't seen the whole thing, you know, or if I had seen the TNT version, you know, there's some things that they have probably left out because, you know, TNT. Um, right. And so, and Tom hadn't seen it in years either. So, yeah, so we watched Misery and, ooh, it was so cold. And, oh, <laughs> man, it's so <laughs> suspenseful. <laughs> it's um, so good. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, Kathy B, like, oh, <laughs> amazing as per usual. <laughs> But just really peak peak Kathy Bates, I think you know. Didn't she it get is. an Oscar for that too?
0: She did, yeah.
2: It is. Yeah. Well, I'm glad Uh-oh. that you the got sh- starting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I gotta I gotta leave that room. The room just started. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm in another room
1: now. Oh, um, that room was moving on you like Kathy Bates. That, that
0: room is a dirty birdie, <laughs> a duty Roomba.
2: Market duty. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, uh, It was so, yeah. I mean, wow. And, like, all of her fashion, her, her cozy winter fashion, I was really into as well. I was like, okay, I would layer that sweater. I would layer that flannel over that. I would do that. Yeah. I was like, wow, I was finding myself really related. Maybe it's because it's winter, but I was really relating to Kathy Bates' cozy uh, farm farm life um Murderer fashion.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is to be respected. I mean, she likes romance novels, she likes ceramic cats, and she likes, you know, breaking people's ankles when they step out of line. It's not to love.
1: Exactly. I appreciate how (laughs) meta this probably was for Stephen King.
2: Oh yeah. Oh Oh, yeah, yeah. for real. And I you know, there was so much um James sponge bath action going on, and it makes you wonder like has Stephen King gotten a bunch of SpongeBaths? describe it really well. Like he knew exactly what was going on there. Uh. Oh, I <laughs> and bet you know, he has. He and,
1: I bet he has. He, has. he looks like a he man has. that's had a bunch of sponge baths.
0: I mean, you know, little little <laughs> else to do up there in those cold Maine winters, I guess. You just, you know, you you kick back and you, you get your wife, Tabby, to come in with the sponges and, and <laughs> just off to the races you go.
1: This is more detailed than we ever needed, Lisa, from Corey right now. <laughs>
2: Um, but, you know, it was so beautiful and picturesque, and it reminded me, it felt like it could be, like, one mountain over from the uh, the Brokeback Fellows. Really. <laughs> I know it's set in Colorado, but it's just, it was so beautiful. And one thing, too, that's very interesting about it is for it being such a, you know, suspenseful, you know, scary movie, um, there's just a lot of daytime action, like a lot of day. No, it's not like the shining or the thing where it's dark and, and creepy and spooky snow it's it was much more you know daytime like it's are looking out the window a lot yeah. and it's like yeah. driving around in the snow and yeah so it kind of has a different mood for a snowy winter scary movie by just having so much sunlight which i thought was yeah it was like an interesting juxtaposition with all of the you know everything else going on
1: oh i agree well I'm, you liked it i take it you, you now oh, that you've seen course. it yes. as a yeah. whole i think we yeah, should and now yeah seeing it adult style mm. yeah I think we should start a start maybe sort of an effort here where we rename films and we could rename this okay. one One Mountain Over from the Brokeback Boys that has more of a <laughs> <laughs> ring to it than Misery don't you think kind of yeah <laughs> <laughs> which would you rather see Corey uh, One Mountain Over from the Brokeback Boys or Misery <laughs>
0: Uh, You're you're putting me on the spot here. Um,
2: Hard to say, isn't it?
0: It is tough to say.
2: Uh, You can tweet at Stephen King and see what he thinks. (laughs) Well, you know how he felt about
1: Kubrick's The Shining, so we don't trust his opinion at all.
0: No. (laughs) I think he justifiably likes Misery, though, because Misery's a really good movie.
2: Oh, and The Shining isn't. Oh, you know, I did when I was... Yeah, I did a little... You know uh, how I I feel about The Shining. Don't bring that up. Apparently... It's his um it's in his top ten uh film adaptations of his novels. Which I thought was also something uh, such a Stephen King thing to say. Like I I've ten at least ten that I like right. of adaptations. You know what I mean? It's like golly dude, you know, you have so <laughs> many that you can, you know, hate some of them probably. So yeah, so apparently it's in his top ten favorite adaptations. But I mean it is so good and um oh my gosh, you got the sheriff guy and he's still solving the mystery and he's reading the books and he's trying to figure it out. Oh man, oh,
0: Richard Farnsworth, the great Richard Farnsworth there, who yeah. has an abrupt exit from the movie, which is always surprising to me, no matter how many times I've seen that movie.
1: Yeah.
2: Agreed. He's so close. And he's just, and he's been, I love his, how his detective work involved, you know, buying novels and reading romance novels. And I just, was, I was rooting for him so much. And then, oh, kabooey, spoiler alert.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well.
2: Well, Lisa, thank
1: you for, uh, for that little note. Um, you know, a good, a good one. To, to go back and watch if you haven't seen it in a while and certainly i i, yeah, I agree the blizzard season we're
2: experiencing
1: yeah this sort of winter weather i agree that i think a lot of times and this happens to me um sometimes too which is that there's certain scenes that have just been shoved down our throats so much that we feel like we've seen a film and maybe it even kind of keeps us from watching something or or you know or we just think we've seen it so we don't go to it um but so good good note
2: Well, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stay in the cold phase for now um, until we get until the fall, until the spring, maybe. Yeah, totally. Totally.
1: All right. Well, uh, we'll talk to you soon.
2: Okay, bye. bye.
0: Bye. And now we'd like to welcome Charlie Brown Sanders, the third to the studio for his segment Film History Minute
3: with Charlie Brown. During filming for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, a crew member Running Cables left a second-story window open at the Oregon State Mental Hospital and an actual patient climbed through the bars and fell to the ground, injuring himself. The next day, the Statesman Journal in Salem, Oregon reported the incident with headline on the front page, One Flew Out of the Cuckoo's Nest. The cast and crew had to become accustomed to working with extras and supporting crew members who were patients at the Oregon State Mental Hospital. Each member of the professional cast and crew inevitably worked closely with at least two or three patients. Most of the hired cast members stayed in character, even when the cameras weren't rolling, and the first time Jack Nicholson arrived on set, he was so disturbed by how realistic the rest of the cast was, he ran outside and asked, Do they ever break character? Director Milo's Foreman would often 50-50 or roll the cameras when the cast members didn't know it, so he could capture the real moment. He relied heavily on reaction shots. In some group therapy scenes, there were 10 minutes of Jack Nicholson's reactions filmed, even if he had very little dialogue. The shot of Louise Fletcher looking icily at Nicholson after he returns from shock therapy was actually her irritated reaction to a piece of direction from Foreman. Louise Fletcher was in preparation to begin filming Nashville while Lily Tomlin was set to play Nurse Ratchet. Ultimately, the two actresses switched their roles in the two films. Fletcher was signed a week before filming began after auditioning repeatedly over six months. Miles Foreman had told her each time that she just wasn't approaching the part correctly, but kept calling her back. She wound up so disturbed by her own performance that she couldn't watch the film for years. She was so upset that the other cast members could laugh and be happy while she had to be so cold and heartless that near the end of production, she removed her dress and stood in only her panties to prove to the cast members she was not a cold-hearted monster. Will Sampson, Chief Bromden, was a park ranger in Oregon near where the movie was filmed. He was selected for the part because he was the only Native American the casting department could find who matched the character's incredible size. The cast and crew were concerned about the behavior of Sidney Lassick. He exhibited increasingly unpredictable and emotionally erratic behavior during his time in character, a pattern that culminated in a tearful outburst during his observation of the final scene between McMurphy and the Chief. Lassick became so overwhelmed during the scene that he had to be removed from the set. Dean R. Brooks was a psychiatrist and director of the Oregon State Hospital where the film was made. Co-producer Michael Douglas scouted various West Coast locations and chose Oregon State Hospital because Brooks agreed to give the filmmakers unlimited access. During filmmaking, Brooks correctly diagnosed William Redfield with the leukemia that would kill him 18 months later. Emotionally strained by a demanding shooting schedule that kept him 3,000 miles away from his future wife, Danny DeVito developed the coping mechanism of an imaginary friend, with whom he would have nightly chats. Concerned that his own sanity might be slipping away, DeVito sought the advice of Dr. Brooks, who assured him that there was no reason to worry as long as DeVito could still identify the character as fictional. The title, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, derives from an American children's folk rhyme. It can be read in its entirety in the novel, Author Ken Kesey was so bitter about the way the filmmakers were butchering his story that he vowed never to watch the completed film and even sue the movie's producers because it wasn't shown from Chief Bramden's perspective, as the novel is. Years later, he claimed to be lying in bed flipping through television channels when he settled on a late-night movie that looked sort of interesting, only to realize after a few minutes it was this film. He then changed the channel. Filming went over the initial budget of $2 million and over schedule, but Saul Zanitz, who was personally financing the movie, was able to fund this by borrowing against his company, Fantasy Records. The movie cost in total $4.4 million to make, and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is the second of only three films to win every major award. Best Picture, Best Actor, Actress, Director, and Screenplay, Adapted or Original. Jack Nicholson took a percentage of the profits in lieu of a small salary for a modestly budgeted film. The move paid off when the picture went on to gross well over $120 million. At the time, it was the seventh biggest grossing film of all time. The film was shown in Swedish cinemas between 1975 and 1987, which was, and still is, a world record.
0: Well, thank you for listening to Side Talks.
1: We're your own cinematic Coke and Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> I went a little different there. Yeah, you
0: did. You know what? Never. Pepsi gets a bad rap. Not a bad beverage. Mm, not I, a bad I, beverage. You know
1: what? I'm not going to disagree with you. I still want to be Coke.
0: Yeah, Fair enough. Fair enough.
1: Well, thanks to Beltwell Studios. We appreciate them so much.
0: And uh, check us out on social media at Sidewalk Film on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And SidewalkFest.com is our website where you can see... What's happening at the Sidewalk Cinema?
1: And you should definitely follow us on Instagram because, you know, we've been talking a little bit here about uh, film wrecks for, for winter time, and we had a snow day recently in That's Birmingham. That's right. I saw and, that you made some recommendations. Yeah, I threw together a, a little list, and Misery was actually on it, as was the thing, but some other fun stuff too. So there's always a little surprise we, we throw people's way. So follow us on Instagram and all the other socials, and uh, have a good day.
2: Batwell Studios
1: Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.